Is there anything terrifying about Wednesday the 13th? Or is this just a day reserved to be wacky? Either way, we are now 103 days into the year, which may be startling for some. Some might be surprised to learn that this is the 363rd installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. No one should be surprised that I am the host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, Charlottesville City Council adopts a budget for fiscal year 23, including a first increase in the real estate tax in 41 years. The Charlottesville Dogwood Festival returns this week in a new location, an update on Charlottesville's zoning rewrite, and Governor Glenn Youngkin vetoes two dozen General Assembly bills and recommends changes to dozens more. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, algorithms know how to put songs and artists together based on genre or beats per minute, but only people can make connections that engage your mind and warm your heart. The music on WTJU 91.1 FM is chosen by dozens and dozens of volunteer hosts, music lovers like you who live right here in the Charlottesville area. Listener donations keep WTJU alive and thriving. In this era of algorithm-driven everything, go against the grain. Support Freeform Community Radio on WTJU and get ready for the Rock Marathon beginning next Monday. Consider a donation at WTJU.net slash donate. In a brief meeting last night, the Charlottesville City Council adopted a nearly $212.9 million budget for the fiscal year that begins on July 1st. However, a penny increase in the real estate tax rate goes into effect for the calendar year, which will be included in the tax bills that will soon be sent to property owners. That's the first increase in the tax rate since 1981. Here's Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers. It's been been a long budget season. Uh, we've uh, listened uh, as staff to your various uh, uh, proposals and, and, and desires uh, to address issues in our community. The final shape of the budget was formed at a work session on April 7th, at which councillors agreed to the real estate tax increase and to keep the personal property tax at $4.20 per $100 of assessed value. Second reading of a vote to increase the meals tax to 6.5%, will be held on April 18th. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook is the only opponent of the increase to $0.96 per $100 of assessed value, but he did vote in the affirmative. That additional penny will raise $925,000, all of which will go to pay for future debt service related to the renovation of Buford Middle School, as well as school reconfiguration. The group Charlottesville United for Public Education released a statement thanking the council, but signaled they will continue to push for more. While we thank City Council for making a strong commitment to our schools in their budget vote last night, we also call on them to continue to make investments in public education a top priority going forward. The first half of the tax bills are due on June 5th. The last time City Council increased the tax rate was in 1981, when Council voted to increase it from $1.10 to $1.13 per $100 of assessed value. Charlottesville City Council will follow the lead of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors and return to in-person meetings beginning this upcoming Monday. 
While there will be opportunities for the public to attend the 6.30 p.m. regular session, only counselors will be able to attend the 4 p.m. work session. Both sessions will be available to be viewed via live stream. At the regular session, 23 members of the public and two members of the media will be able to attend in city council chambers. All formal presentations will be delivered remotely. Charlottesville is still under an emergency ordinance, and today's news release states that this system will remain in place for the duration. At this time, this is the only meeting permitted to resume in person, but discussions are underway regarding other meetings resuming in city space. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 1,115 new cases, and the percent positivity is at 6.9%. Charlottesville planning staff and consultants hired to run the Seville Plans Together initiative are slightly behind in their work to create a diagnostic and approach report for the rewriting of the city zoning code. That's what Neighborhood Development Services Director James Fries told the Planning Commission last night. By the next meeting, OA will probably have released this first report by our next meeting. In fact, we definitely will have. Um, but before then, we'll have shared with you guys um, what we anticipate the schedule looking like going forward. City Council adopted an affordable housing plan last March and a new comprehensive plan in mid-November. Fries said the goal is to have the new zoning code adopted around this time next year. Or, you know, hopefully by March of next year, we're 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 fully adopted. That's what we've been aiming for, and I don't see any reason to push that back at this point. For more on the zoning process, visit SeavillePlansTogether.com. After a two-year break due to the pandemic, a major highlight of the annual Dogwood Festival returns tomorrow. However, the carnival will be held in a different location this year. Charlottesville Planning Commissioner Hosea Mitchell informed his colleagues on Tuesday night. It used to be at uh, McIntyre, and that's going to be in the Kmart parking lot. The Dogwood Festival began in 1950 as the Apple Harvest Festival before getting its long-term name in 1958. As part of the festivities, there will be a rededication ceremony for the Dogwood Vietnam Memorial beginning on April 22nd. The 73rd Dogwood Grand Parade will be held on April 23rd in downtown Charlottesville. For more information, visit SeavilleDogwood.com. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and today's second shout-out goes to Leap. We are now well into spring, and soon many of us will turn on our air conditioning units for the first time in months. To see what you can do to get the most out of your home, contact LEAP, your local energy nonprofit, to schedule a home energy assessment this month. Just $45 for city and county residents. LEAP also offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If someone in your household is age 60 or older, or you have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home.
The Virginia General Assembly is next scheduled to meet on April 27th to respond to actions taken by Governor Glenn Youngkin this week on bills that passed both the Republican-controlled House of Delegates and the Democratic-controlled Senate earlier this year. On Monday, Youngkin took action on several bills that passed this past winter. He signed over 700 bills, made recommendations on over 100, and vetoed two dozen that had passed both the Senate and the House. The General Assembly can override the vetoes with a two-thirds majority in both houses, and they will also consider whether to accept the amendments. Vetoed bills include Senate Bill 347, which would have required the State Corporation Commission to establish annual energy efficiency-saving targets for low-income, elderly, disabled, and veterans of military service. In his explanation, Youngkin said the SCC's definition of public interest should not be expanded by the legislature and could lead to higher energy costs. HB 802 would have expanded the Virginia Residential Landlord and Tenant Act to give localities the power to take action against landlords who allow their units to become fire and safety hazards. In his explanation, Youngkin claimed this would duplicate existing provisions available under the Virginia Uniform Statewide Building Code. HB 675 would have eliminated the ability of health insurance carriers to levy a surcharge on tobacco users. HB 1298 would have prohibited high school student-athletes from being compensated for their likeness, name, or image. Youngkin, in his statement, said that the bill is a premature prohibition that could limit young people from engaging in economic activity via social media unrelated to their athletic performance. SB 250 would have increased annual fees for non-hazardous solid waste management facilities. Youngkin said this would increase the cost of doing business in Virginia, with pass-through costs going to consumers. SB 297 would have made it a violation of the Virginia Consumer Protection Act for a healthcare provider to seek debt collection prematurely. Youngkin said this would create unintended consequences that could harm small healthcare providers by creating additional legal liability. And finally, SB 706 would have prohibited operators of heavy trucks from using cruise control and certain types of brakes during winter storms. Youngkin said this bill would impose burdens on Virginia's trucking industry, as well as interstate transportation, without any demonstrable public safety or transportation benefit. As for the amendments, there are several worth noting. Youngkin put a sunset clause of July 1st, 2024 on a provision of the Transit Ridership Incentive Program that would have required a quarter of the program's funds to be spent on programs to reduce fares for low-income individuals. Youngkin wants to extend the date by which hotels must ensure their employees are trained to report human trafficking. That bill was set to go into place on July 1st of this year, but Youngkin wants that to be extended to January 1st. HB 891 would have removed the word alien from Virginia Code, as it refers to non-citizens. Youngkin amended the bill to require a work group to be set up to study the issue. And finally, in this report, Senate Bill 24 would have extended the sunset date of Virginia's eviction diversion pilot program, but Youngkin's amendment would require the General Assembly to vote to enact it again in 2023. And there is more to come. There could be a special session called maybe sometime soon. There's still a lot to go this year in Virginia. 
But there's not any more to go in this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. It's an unlucky day, maybe, or maybe it's a lucky day. Who knows? You got a rabbit foot? I don't. But what I do have, of course, is the knowledge of being able to say once again, thank you for all of the support that comes to this program from listeners like you and readers who might not be hearing this. One day, maybe we'll get more people to listen. In the meantime, thank you for being a podcast listener and listening. You're also hearing my voice. You also know that this is the time I usually say that the company Ting will match your first contribution if you have not subscribed through Substack so far. If you have, thank you. Really appreciate it. I do want to thank you for everything, all the support, and thanks for listening. Please do send it on to somebody else if you think somebody else might benefit from the program. But in the meantime, that's the end. Let's play the old end of this. Let's go ahead and say the things such as stay cool out there, stay uh, out of the pollen, and uh, you know, continue to stay informed. Uh, click through the links on everything in this newsletter and learn as much as you can so that we can continue together to engage as a community. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thanks for listening and goodbye.